BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Welcome to Right Nowish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Today's guest is a person who wears many hats DJ, graph writer, multimedia maker, community activist. Hell, he even has a clothing line where he literally designs hats. Most importantly, Marty Aranaito, aka DJ Willie Mays, is an indigenous person from the Bay Area, a double native. As a young person organizing in Oakland growing up, like I was part of the Oakland youth movement. I was part of Black Liberation in Oakland. As a native person, I was always connected to um, Alcatraz. My aunt being part of the first 14 that started the occupation of Alcatraz. My mother hitchhiking out here as a 16-year-old kid, running away from school to participate in the occupation and eventually meeting my father at the Indian Center in San Francisco. Like, that's, that's where I come from. That's literally the reason I exist is action started in the Bay. As of late, Marty has been on the front line, working with indigenous groups across the country to protect land and water, as well as to draw attention to discrimination natives face. To fully understand the many hats that Marty wears and the importance of his work, we're first going back to an interview that I did with him in the spring of 2019. And since so much has changed, we'll get an update from Marty, including a recap of a major action that he was a part of this past summer. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing... And I know you love what you're hearing. Please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. 
Back in 2019, Marty was the owner of a small storefront in San Francisco's Tenderloin. So I run a small clothing level called Never Over, spelled N-V-R-O-V-R. Through my connections in graffiti, a friend of mine is one of you know, the city's top bartenders. He was like, hey, I want you to run the store next door. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, people in bars tell crazy stories and they come up with wild ideas. You know, I'm building a bar next door. And then you walk through your store, to, you'll be the entrance to the bar, essentially. In your life, one thing lead, leading to the next, leading to the next. That's tight for a young person who says, yeah, I, I'm just interested in this. It's kind of aimless. I like graffiti, what have you. Who knew that that could one day lead to you operating out of a storefront that your homeboy owns? The zine that you're working on and how it features other people who own stores. Tell, tell me some more about that zine. I want to introduce myself to the neighborhood by, like, bigging up other businesses and lifting up and amplifying and so, like, what I want to do is just do a zine that features all those people who have been here holding it down for who knows how long. Hopefully bring more attention in this area, because the TL's really got it going on. In talking to you, and also even in today, like, we rolled up to you in front of the store, and you're sweeping. Mm-hmm. And you're sweeping up the tenderloins, and, like, <laughs> somebody might scratch their heads. Like, what, what are you doing sweeping in the tenderloins? Sweeping the street. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people see me sweeping the street and they look at me like, are you out of your mind? Your broom is dirty now. Like, so I'm just showing, taking care of something that I think is precious. You know, the store is precious to me. That block is precious to me. The people around it are precious to me. Given all the work that you do, like from the DJing, from the graffiti, the, the clothing line, now the zine, is there any common thread that defines your mission statement as a person, as an artist? I guess the common theme is an expression of culture, you know, protect culture or to thrive in a place. It lets you know who we are and where we come from and that we were here first. Elbow out space and protect what little we do have. You know what I mean? Like that, I feel like, is the most important. As a native person, I understand it. You know, as a graph writer, I understand it. As an Oakland native, I understand it. Again, that was a conversation Marty Aranaito and I had back in 2019. I share that convo as a window into the many ways that Marty is involved in culture keeping and community activism. The latest iteration of his work has Marty fighting for the rights of indigenous folks, as well as serving as a land and water protector. I caught up with him in East Oakland a few weeks ago, and he told me all about it. It's all good. We're at Red Bay Coffee sitting. What would you even call this? Like the garden area across the street from it? Yeah, it's the wood chip pile across the street. (laughs) But yeah, all right, so look. Mark, I wanted to catch up with you. Last I checked in with you, you had the zine about to jump off in the city. You were sweeping in front of your store in, a, in uh, the TLs. Uh, how's the store going? How's the neighborhood going? Oh, man. COVID did a number on the TL in general. It was kind of let go by the you know police and street cleaning and regular services that did happen there. So, you know, the tent cities that were popping up just expanded, just exploded. People living on every open surface, pretty much, um, and living like without proper bathrooms, without sanitation, and a lot of a lot of things. So um, the shop was closed, you know, at the start of the pandemic, and then the owner decided to sell it from underneath it, from underneath us. So we were just out of space. So we had to pack out of the shop. Um, it's the entire shop fits in my friend's basement in West Oakland. So yeah, we're. We're shut down for now, and, you know, the T.O., you know, God bless T.O., like, I hope it's hanging in there. It was looking pretty rough. 
When one door closes, another opens. After the closure of his business and the unfortunate passing of his father, Marty took some time to get reacquainted with national indigenous groups like the Indian Collective. And he got involved in the actions they were taking in the Midwest. When I first got into Rapid City and visited Indian Collective as, you know, when it was up and clicking, when I looked at it, it looked at, it looked like what Alcatraz and what Black Panthers were working for and serving the people and taking care of things on like a 10 point platform. Like Indian Collective takes care of all those things. And that community has had some big issues that they've been up against. The Indian Collective has been actively organizing to demand the return of public lands to native hands. And they made headlines last summer when they called for the closure of the Mount Rushmore monument. Trump is not welcomed here. This is our land. We want him out of our land. And we want our land back. It's been a year since Indian Collective blocked Donald Trump from going up to Mount Rushmore. You know, the Black Hills are sacred to the Lakota. It's a, uh, like, the most outstanding case of land theft in America. So, land back has been the battle cry. This year, the group planned another direct action that would continue to speak to the issues they were facing. Uh, in Rapid City, one of the biggest structures in the middle of town is a grain elevator, I think they call it. But it's just like a storage silo. Silo, yeah, that's what I'm imagining. Like okay. gigantic, yeah. like a series of four silos. Okay. And the call was to hang this 40 by 30 fucking American flag, inverted American flag, upside down flag that uh, was we painted land back on. Yeah, we scaled the silo, hung it off of uh, off the silo on the 4th of July. On the corner of the land back flag, they painted the number 1,505. Marty says this represents the number of unmarked graves that have been found at native boarding schools throughout the U.S. and Canada. It's not a fixed number, though, especially as more burial sites are brought to light. And then the other thing that we were calling out was um, the children that were taken under U.S. law, under American education system, like they were stealing children away from parents in an effort to kill the Indian and save the man. They were going to take kids away and put them in boarding schools. A lot of those kids uh, died in the process at school and buried without any notification to the families. There's all these unknown, unmarked graves that are being found, continue to be found. And you were arrested for that action? What, what was that experience like? When I was in jail, the only people that I saw in jail with me in the holding cells were Native people. It was just full of Native people. The racial disparity is glaring. While Natives make up 9% of South Dakota's population, they account for 41% of the population that's booked into its jails. That's according to data from Vera, a criminal justice advocacy group. They made me put on the pajamas and tried to humiliate me, even though I was only in for like a little over a couple hours. They made me take my clothes off and put on their clothes, you know, put on the, you know, jailhouse Crocs. You know what I mean? I was like, y'all got Crocs? This is fancy shit. Usually the <laughs> little foam things, the foam slippers. But, uh, but yeah, they made me put them on. And I came out of the jailhouse, like, I was like, fuck this. I ain't going to be humiliated, man. I'm standing up for my people. Fuck this shit. And so I came out, <laughs> and I was like, what am I, fucking Hamburglar? And nobody laughed. And I was like, come on, that was pretty good. <laughs> no. <laughs> trying to look tough crowd, huh? <laughs> trying to humiliate your boy, man. I was like, hell no. Kind of at the heart of why I wanted to talk to you is this work that you're doing, this land protection work that you're doing. 
across the nation, building with different groups. How does it relate to how you move through the Bay Area as an artist, as a mover, shaker, as a culture and keeper, um, and as a protector of this land? What's good for indigenous people is good for all humanity. And the act of becoming free, it's a continuation of what we've done since, since day one is resist, you know, colonization. And now, since we are colonized, it's, it's a quest to decolonize. It's to remove every, you know, remove those things from, from our life that harm us. Thank you, Marty, for taking time to speak with me and for wearing the mini hats you do and for taking the town everywhere you go. And everywhere I go is where my homeland is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> And, you know, the town go where, where the fuck I go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> to keep up with Marty and all that he has going on, check out his Instagram, at the Willie Mays. That's spelled T-H-E-W-I-L-L-I-E-M-A-Z-E. The producers of this episode were Ashley Ann Krigbaum, Camilo Garzon, Nima Gobeer, and Marisol Medina Cadena. Jessica Plachik and Kiana Mogadam edited this story. Our engineer is still mother. Ashley Ng and Justin Ebrahimi make up the engagement team. KQED execs are Erica Aguilar, David Marcus, and Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thank you for listening. Peace. Right Now-ish is a KQED production. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.